phenomenal, phenomenal move of God in service, and uh, we had a, just a great, great time, and I believe God did some things, and, and I expect the same for today. I don't expect any differently uh, today than I did last week, uh, because every time that the Lord is present, there's an opportunity. Amen. Uh, today, I want to preach to you under this title, High Price of Bondage, the High Price of Bondage. And if you want, and you have your Bibles or your uh, iPad or your phone, you want to turn in Scripture where I'm going, I'm going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 15 uh, as we go. We'll start out with verse 1 through 3, um, and then I'll bring in some other Scripture as we go along the way. And I want to say before I get started, we're very, very happy uh, for our guests that you're here today uh, to worship with us at Branches Church. And if you have not, uh, if you got to service uh, as we'd already started or whatever, uh, connect with us by filling out a connect card. We want to get to know you. We want to connect with you. Uh, and then we also, in exchange, we have a gift bag uh, that we'll give you at the end of service, a little gift for you, a thank you and appreciation of being here. And then at the end of my sermon today, uh, it's customary, it's our practice here at Branches Church that we take a time uh, that's often referred to as altar invitation, where we let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us, and uh, our church family gathers together at the front to pray. Uh, we don't always in that way, but we most often do, and we want to invite you to join us. If you feel comfortable, you can come up, uh, and it's just a time where we let the Spirit of the Lord take His opportunity to minister to our needs. And so we invite you to join with us, but we're also aware that that can be uncomfortable. And so if you choose, you can stay right where you're at, uh, and no one will have any opinion about it whatsoever. Because uh, we just, the most important thing is for us to experience God in this place. Amen. It's not about uh, curriculum, it's not about a program, it's not about uh, a show or being entertained, it's about experiencing God. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. I usually don't start out by reading Scripture, but today I want to read Scripture to start out. 1 Samuel 11, 1 through 3. Then Nahash, and this is an interesting name, Nahash means snake. Uh, just a little tidbit. has nothing much to do with my sermon, or if I find a way to weave that into my sermon, it wasn't in my notes today. But Nahash, the snake... Uh, an Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel, and then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. I want to preach the high price of bondage. Last week... Uh, for us, was a week filled with some, some highs and lows. Um, Shelly's nana passed away, 
and I'm so glad that my sister-in-law is here today. She came in for the funeral and stayed over a few days to stay with the family. And, th and that was a real low. It was a challenge for the family, and I, I want to say thank you to all of you who prayed for us and supported us and, and, and what happened. You know, no one's really ever quite prepared for that. I remember when my own grandmother passed away, she was elderly, and my grandfather, who was elderly, and uh, I knew they wouldn't have many years or many weeks even. When we went to visit her the last time, I knew it wouldn't be many months even. Uh, but you're still never prepared fully. So thank you for your prayers and support. A high of last week was that a friend of mine, Jonathan, who's here today, got out of the hospital after having major surgery, and he's recovering very well. And that, that's a high. I mean, that is a super high. And I want to say thank you to those of you who helped provide meals. And uh, he's just been going on and on about how good they were. And I'm jealous. I was not here to get to eat them. Uh, but God has done a miracle for Jonathan and is continuing to do a miracle. And that, that's a high. When we were at the hospital and I was visiting him uh, after the surgery, I could hear a man down the hallway, he kept calling out, he'd say, help, help, help. It was just like nonstop, help. And they would go and ask him what he needed help with, and um, he'd say, can you bring me a beer? And he was in there for uh, liver disease. And so... You know, they, they would, no, you can't have a beer. And he'd say, help, help. It would start all over again. Jonathan, I, I asked him about it, and Jonathan said, he, he does this like 18 hours a day. Like, help, help. And, you know, it's a little bit funny, but really it's sad. Because the man's in there for deliver disease and he is calling out for the very thing that put him into that hospital room. Help. 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 And for 18 hours a day, he was yelling that out. Now, I don't know about you, but that is what I call bondage. Bondage has a high price associated with it. Fortunately for all of us, we live in a culture that says if it feels good, then we should do it. You need to live your life on your terms. And the message is everywhere. It's, it's you do what you want and don't let anyone tell you that you should do otherwise. You just do you. You live life on your terms. But there's rarely ever a mention of the costs that are associated with certain choices in our life. We don't realize some of the things that we're going to have to pay for ending up with the choices that we choose. Never mention the cost associated with those choices, but there's always a cost. But somehow we think as a society that we can escape that. We think as individuals we can escape that. And so we live in this society where condoms are passed out to teenagers in health units, but they never talk about what could happen. We live in a culture where binge drinking is 
on the rise as an increase in college campuses. They never talk about the downside. In parts of California now, there are places where addicts are enabled through the supply of free needles and drugs to help them in their addiction. Not sure if I would say that that's help. No one stops to consider the high cost, and there's always a cost associated. There's a cost of personal life. There's a cost in society. There's always a cost. Drug abuse costs the U.S. economy $442 billion a year in crime, medical treatment, care, and the loss of work hours by addicts. Tobacco addiction alone costs around $289 billion a year. And that's actually reduced because tobacco addiction is less prevalent than ever before. Alcohol addiction consists or costs around $246 billion annually. There's always a cost associated. Our sexual choices have come at a high cost. 41%, 41% of babies born in the U.S. are born outside of marriage. And our families aren't perfect. But even in our imperfection, it's the best scenario. Last year, Planned Parenthood aborted 332,757 babies. That's a high cost for sexual choices. A quarter of women are all expected to have an abortion before the age of 45. That's where our society is right now. That's a high cost associated. 36% of married people admit to having an affair. 22% of divorces are because of an affair. 56% of divorces involve pornographic addiction. There is a high cost associated with bondage. And the question becomes, who can calculate the real cost of what our world offers up as fun, as just something to do, of living your life on your own terms? The alcoholic quietly succumbs to cirrhosis of the liver. Lives are taken by drunk drivers every year. Cancer from tobacco cuts lives short and leaves people with with a missing loved one in their life that could have been there. Women carry with them the effects and the questions of an aborted pregnancy of what might have been, what if, what would life be like. Marriages are destroyed by infidelity or addiction and families are ruined on the altar and it's all on the altar of pleasing self. It's not on the altar of anything else. We might declare it to be rights or privileges or anything else, but ultimately it's really about pleasing self. What's best for me? And the problem with what's best for me is that I'm ultimately leading myself into bondage and bondage has a high price. Nahash the Ammonite comes to Jabesh Gilead to defeat them. And Jabesh, the men of Jabesh realize there's not much they can do to overcome this enemy. He's outnumbered them. He's outranked them. They're almost resigned 
to their fate. They're going to lose this battle. And because of losing this battle, they're going to end up being in servitude. And so the best case scenario in the mind of the men of Jabesh is if they will negotiate some kind of outcome to the end of this conflict. And so they offer to make a covenant with Nahash to become Nahash and all of the Ammonites' servants. If you'll just make us your servants, we won't have to have any bloodshed. We won't have to have any battle. We will just do what you tell us to do. And Nahash returns to them and says, "Ah, okay, I'll accept your terms, but under one condition, that I can put out every one of your right eyes. Just to show that I am more powerful than the Israelites. Just to put you to shame. Let me put out every one of your right eyes. Now, this is an amazing story to me because it's pretty rare. I mean, up until that point, they were ready to sign the covenant agreement. They were ready to enact this thing. But as soon as Nahash says, well, okay, we'll do that, but I'm going to put out your right eye. Then they said, well, okay, wait just a minute. Give us seven days. But here's the thing, the thing about sin and the thing about bondage. It rarely tells you up front what it's going to cost you. They saw the cost. They understood what Nahash was saying. He's going to put out their right eyes. Now Nahash could have just simply taken them in bondage. And once they're bound, what are they going to do? He could put out their eye without ever telling them. They're servants, they're slaves at that point. It doesn't matter. No one, including the men of Jabesh Gilead, would consider losing their right eye a good bargained price. But bondage rarely negotiates on the front end. Bondage rarely tells you what you're going to end up paying. No one starts a drug addiction thinking one day I'm going to steal from my loved ones in order to support the habit. No one ever agrees to buy tobacco that first time thinking they're going to buy tobacco every day for the rest of their life with the intent of eventually having cancer. No one sets out thinking that. But there's a high price associated with bondage. The man in the hospital that kept saying, help, help, help. He never set out with the intention of thinking, one day I'll lay in a transplant ward waiting for a liver that could save my life and at the same time be bound so heavily by addiction that I'm asking for the very thing that put me in here. A woman does not enjoy the benefits of a sexual relationship thinking one day I'll probably become part of the 25% of women who have aborted a baby and live with that and carry that for us in my life. No man enters into a sexual relationship thinking that there's going to be some negative outcome in the moment. It's only about self and it's only about pleasure. No spouse starts down the path toward destroying their family Thinking, you know, I'm going to pay the price for these sins one day, but right now it's for my enjoyment. No husband ever thinks that he's going to get on the internet and look at pornography and one day sacrifice his marriage and his family and his kids all to this thing that has possessed him. That's never the way it happens. But bondage has a high price. 
So Nahash's offer to them was to become servants, to have their right eyes put out. Of course, this, the reality at that point didn't look good. Sometimes I think, you know, if we could see what sin would do, we knew where we'd end up. There's some things we, we'd try our hardest to stay away from. But that's not always reality. And so the men of Jabesh, they, Jabesh, they ask for seven days. Just give us seven days. If there's anyone that will save us from our fate. If not, we'll put out our right eyes. 1 Samuel eleven six says that Saul answered the call, plea for help from Jabesh Gilead. And help them from a future bondage. Verse 6 says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. And verse 9 says that they sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Saul promised the men of Jabesh Gilead that he would help them the very next day. Now, here's the thing that's interesting about Saul. Most of us know Saul as the one who tries to kill David, the one who messes up as being king, as, as the, the bad guy in the whole picture between Saul and David and David's ascension to the throne. But the reality in this one moment, this time, Saul is chosen by God. He's God's man. He's going to become king of Israel. He has just come from being anointed by Samuel to become king. But in that anointing, most of the people looked at Saul and they couldn't see something that God saw. They couldn't see something that Samuel saw when they looked at Saul. And they rejected him as their king. Verse 27, but some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him, brought him no presents, but he held his peace. How can this man save us? Saul's chosen by God. Saul's anointed to be king. Saul has all of the qualifications which are God-backed to be the man that would save Israel from their enemies. But they couldn't see it. And I find people look at Jesus Christ much in the same way. What can this man do to save us? How can he help me through my problem? And sometimes we even get to the place where we say, okay, I acknowledge and I admit I've seen him do it for someone else, but will he do it for me? Kind of like the, the leper that came, or the blind man that came and said, I know you can heal the blind, I've heard, but will you do it for me? Will you do it for me? Saul is God's chosen vessel that would give Jabesh Gilead victory over Nahash. But it only comes through Saul. Understand that. It only comes through Saul. Saul being chosen of God. Saul being anointed by God to be king. And that makes me think of another king that is anointed. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's chosen. He's anointed as our high priest. He's the one who brings deliverance and victory to all of those who choose him. 
1 Samuel 11 and 11, so it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies. They came in the midst of the camp and in the morning watch killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. You see, the answer for bondage is always in God, using the chosen and the anointed to deliver. And God's chosen and anointed for you and I is Jesus Christ. So whatever bondage there is in your life, whatever thing you're having to fight against that you feel like you're not just getting over or overcoming, there is an answer for that bondage. It's in Jesus Christ. He was chosen. He was anointed for our victory. In Luke 4, 18 through 21, he read this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Notice he said he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now notice what he does next. He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know what he was saying? He was saying, you need to pay attention because this right here, it's been done. It's been settled. And he was saying, I want want you to fill your ear up with this and understand that right now, all of these things that I said were to be done are being done right now. And so, yes, there's a lot of bondage in our world. Yes, there's a lot of things that are negative. There's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. But there's an answer to bondage. And that is in the form of Jesus Christ. Because He was anointed to be the King. He was chosen as a perfect Lamb that would pay the price. And the price of bondage has been paid forever. The Bible says that He was rejected by men but chosen by God. It sounds a lot like Saul. Saul was rejected by the men. But until it came time when bondage happened, all of a sudden there's a one chosen by God that would bring deliverance. And there is deliverance for your life today. Bondage may have a high price, but in one offering, Jesus Christ became the payment. Hebrews 2 and 17 says, Therefore in all things He had to be made like His brethren. He came to be just like you and I, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation. That word propitiation means payment. He made the payment for the sins of the people. The price of bondage is high, but there's one who's already paid the price. The price was not unreachable and it was not unattainable. He paid the price. Romans 3.25 says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. Payment by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins. He ignored all of the bondage and all of the sins prior to that, but now he's paying the price. He's dealing with it. 1 John 2 and 2 says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now listen to me and understand, if he can pay the price of bondage for the entire world, what can he do with your situation? What can he do with your bondage? 
What can He do with the thing that has plagued you? What can He do with your situation? If He can afford to pay the price of bondage for the entire world, what can He do in your situation? You don't have to surrender anything else in your life to the sin that has you bound. It's very simple. If you want an answer, I'm going to give you an answer right now. First, admit that you're in bondage. You'll never get free from the thing you don't admit you're struggling with. You're just going to carry it around with you. The second thing is believe. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to the father of a demon-possessed son, verse 23, he said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. And that father in Mark 9, 24 responds immediately. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's just admit it. That's the complexity of faith. I believe. But I still have some unbelief. And if you can't admit that, We all know it's true. I believe, but there are certain times that I have unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you don't feel like you can overcome it alone, then seek help from your pastor. Because Jesus Christ paid the price so that you wouldn't have to give up anything else for bondage. That high price was paid on the front end. And you shouldn't have to continue suffering and paying the price of bondage. Galatians 5 and 1 tells us, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, I've found in my own life some of the things that I struggle with, that I try and overcome. The real problem is not in that first statement that's made in Galatians. It's completely in that second statement. Because I can find myself too easily entangled. Taking on again a yoke of something that I laid down at the cross or I laid down at the throne before. Christ died and paid the price of all of the bondage. Saul was a representation of Jesus Christ. He was chosen. He was anointed. And all it took was seven days. In seven days, Saul answered the call that would come and deliver them from bondage. Seven days. How many eyes were put out in Jabesh Gilead? None. How many Ammonites fell in victory? A whole lot. Scattered them so much that no two remained together. 
Don't tell me that God can't break bondage to the point where it can't be brought back together. I've experienced too much for anyone to say otherwise. And if you truly want deliverance from bondage, you're tired of paying the high price, Jesus Christ has your answer. If you'll stand with me. And if you're free from bondage, throw that scripture back up there. Stand fast. Stay right in the liberty that Christ brought you. Don't get entangled again. Don't, and, and here's the thing about entanglement. People will try and entangle you. People you associate with that they realize you got free, they're going to try and draw you back into it. They're going to try and drag you right back into the place you were. They don't realize that they're bringing, trying to bring you back into bondage. There's a high price. Our society pays a high price for bondage. Our personal lives would pay a high price for bondage. But Jesus Christ paid that price so that you and I would not have to. He paid that price so you and I would not have to. For just a moment, can we entertain the presence of the Lord that is here right now? Lord, I thank you for the price of Calvary. I thank you, God, for what you've done. You paid the price, Lord, so that I could be free. You delivered me from so many things in my life, Lord, and you're working now to sanctify me. I thank you, Lord. God, I don't ever want to take for granted the high price that you paid. I don't ever want to ignore what you've done in my life. God, the things that I struggle with now, the things that bind me or try to keep me bound, I want to put into your hand. God, you can destroy the yoke. The anointing will destroy the yoke. The king will destroy the yoke. Bondage has a high price, but it's not on me to pay it. God, I surrender it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Right now, why don't you entertain the presence of the Lord that's here. Speak to him. Tell him what's going on in your life. My wife's going to begin to sing. In just a minute, we'll gather to the front. I've been changed.